guys. So welcome again to the first two battalion chiefs. And with me again, I'm very honored to have Tony Carroll from I like Tony, I like to say you're from DC. I'm sorry. I can't get that out of my you know. That's fine. That's fine. I mean it's hard <laughs> to get rid of hard to forget the twenty nine years of working, right? Yeah. You know, Eric Pedaway from Boston. Jake. So welcome guys. Yeah. <laughs> Thank so again, you for having me. Oh, it's my my pleasure, you know, to have you on the show. So, so again, guys, what I'd like to do is um, let's talk about the battalion chief. Let's get it back to the basics, you know, and, and try to, uh, you know, I, I think between us we have, I'm, I'm guessing, 100 years, right? And, um, you know, I, I think we take things for granted, but maybe not everybody takes things for granted like we do. So, um, you know, maybe let's keep that in mind and you know, kind of share some thoughts on um, what it's like to be in that front seat, especially for the new battalion chiefs, you know. So tonight I wanted to talk about um, the importance of locating the fire, right? Because I always, like a loaded question, I always ask guys when I do classes and stuff, like what's the, the most important thing we have to do at any fire? And you always say, save life, put water on a fire. This, uh, I said, well, how about locating the fire first, you know? And um and how do we do that? So I'll give you, I'll, I'll tell a quick fire story and then um, maybe we'll pass it on. I remember I was back when I was in the squad, we had a fire in, and um, it was a fire in a five story. On the first floor was a, uh, was a stereo shop, uh, electronic store. And the first two engine went in and uh, lots of heat, tremendous amount of heat and a lot of heavy smoke, but there was really no visible fire, you know. And uh, they were operating, you know, for a while. They had the two and a half. And um, they just were putting out, I don't know what they thought they were putting out, but uh, nothing was getting better, right? Put it that way. And um, at some point, myself and one of the other firefighters um, realized that, the, that they weren't hitting the fire. And I said to my friend, I said, listen, I said, I know this building. It's an old old tenement. I know there's an interior stair. Let's go down and check out the basement. And sure enough, man, we went down there and the basement was roaring, you know. So, uh, you know, that's that's kind of, uh, I guess, um, I don't know if it's common, but, you know, I think uh, what's necessary for the battalion chief is to really, before anything gets done, before any lines are stretched or any commitments, is that we really need to know what we're dealing with. Like, think about it, right, Tony? Like, you go into the doctor and you sit in his office and... You don't say anything, right? He'll say, well, why are you here? Well, you know, <laughs> he, he can't treat me until he knows what hurts, right? So um, anyway, um, I'll start with you guys. Tony, any stories on uh, locating the fire or the importance of uh, Well, I mean, if anybody's been watching this thing, right, that we've been doing, that you and I have been together for a few months now, they can talk about the uh, Johnson Avenue fire. I, I, we it, and, and again, the guys will... Hopefully some guys will watch this and they'll, they'll text me. And But um, it was. It was a, a four-story. Um, it looked it looked like a like a type one, but it really was a five. Um, you know, it had that, like, uh, stucco looking outside. But it was a um, wood frame building. And um, new, new construction, set back a little bit. The call was for smoke. A sparks coming from the chimney. So um, we get inside. It, you didn't smell anything. You didn't see anything. Um, there was occupants on the first floor, second floor. I think third floor was empty. 
fourth floor was had people. Um, but you know, you go in and, and the roof team went up to up to the, to the roof. They didn't see any sparks coming out of the chimney. Uh, we went inside, and you know, it was that kind of low key that there weren't people evacuating. Um, so it didn't it didn't register right that there definitely was something going on. So we checked the places that we could, and um, nothing found in those places, and we left. Um, I don't know if it was an hour, hour and a half, two hours later, we got called back. Now you could smell wood burning. Um, they're evacuating. And um, it was ultimately uh, that, that pipe chase, right? There was um, a pipe chase for the fire, for the fireplace chimneys that went, you know, first floor apartment. So you had one pipe, second floor. Now you had two. Right. Third floor, you got three pipes. By the time it had four pipes in that chase. So it was pretty big. And the fire was on the third floor, if I remember, second or third floor. And um, we didn't get into his apartment. Right. Um, and I remember we found it because uh, somebody stepped back as we we saw smoke coming up. The uh, place had a had an elevator. Right. Uh, and it served it served uh, one floor, the top floor. And we were trying to, we had smoke coming out of the shaft. So we're breaking into the shaft. Somebody stepped back and they felt, they felt heat coming out of the uh, fireplace on the third floor. The fire was in the fireplace on the second floor. So now we, you know, now of course we found it. And um, it's, it's, it's tough ones. Those are tough, right? And, and we went to the obvious like we done before. And it's one of those things like, do we want to break every door down? We didn't have indication that we needed to. Um, I just, you know, again, you lose sleep because you're thinking, man, I left that. We had something burning there. We left that occupied apartment building. And, you know, we came back. Fortunately, right, it hadn't busted out into a into an uncontrollable fire, but it definitely could have. And, um, you know, fortunately, um, you know, I was ready. I was ready because that was about the same time we had a lot of people going off because of bad patient care, right? We had firefighters getting taken off the street because of things they did on the ambulance. Well, I'm like, let's, let's make me an example so that, right. So that we can, we can, we want to hold fire as, as important. We want to hold bad things on fires as important as we do bad things on medicals. So I was willing to be that, you know, let's, let's do that. Let's start that. And, um, you know, let's learn from this. Uh, fortunately, you know, it didn't happen again. And, and like, you, like, you know, right, you learn these things one time, you don't let them happen again. So, um, you know, we started getting now we're going to get into every place we can. Yeah, because uh, we don't want to leave something that we should have found. Yeah. You know, uh, Brannigan talks about uh, collapse of burning buildings. He says that fires and void spaces can break out with lightning speed, killing more firefighters and collapse. And uh, I really believe it. You know, uh, probably I think I can't. I, I hope I am not repeating myself. I don't know when this happened. I think it was about two months ago. We had a a call about two in the morning. I don't think I told the story last time, but if I did, I apologize. But um, anyway, it came in for a an oil burner. You know, like and there's this whole complacency thing that sets in sometimes, right? Because I get this call and I I make these assumptions like ah, it's probably an oil burner. And sure enough, the first two truck. The officer gave me a report and he says, yeah, we shut down the oil burner. And, uh, you know, I had the window open. I always keep the window open. It didn't smell 
didn't have that oil burner smell, you know, and um, I was not really happy with the with the report. And I just waited a little bit. I kept everybody on the box. I had two and two on the box, you know, and uh, we have a in the New York, we have what we call a rotation program. So we have this kid and I gave him the roof position. And I all of a sudden I hear this report, uh, you know, roof to, you know, the officer. He says, uh, we got a fire burning on the roof of the exposure. It was the Charlie exposure. It wasn't even the fire building. It was a huge building. And it was like one building over. And what happened was um, it was a good fire. It was burning on the roof. And, and right away, I got the second truck. I said, go into the other building, you know, get up to the top floor, pull the ceilings. And sure enough, you know, um, had had we just walked away from that, you know, like um, it probably would have burned right down into the cockloft. We might have lost the whole top floor of that building. So. I think the takeaway from that is that you, you have to go with your gut on these things. You know, if you if if you're smelling something and smoke doesn't smell right, you know, like it's because that smoke had like a tar smell to it. It didn't really, it didn't have that oil burner smell. It just smelled like kind of different. Little wooden, it had a little wood in it as well. And uh, I just wasn't happy with the report, you know. And sure enough, man. And, and you know the good thing about. Um, when guys do good things is that you make sure that you, you praise them in front of everybody, you know, and when the deputy came, I told him, I said, man, you see that kid over here, man, he's a rotator. He did an excellent job. I told him what he did. He's like, everyone's looking at him like, yeah, I told the captain, you know, so, you know, when they do good stuff, you know, you, you let them know about it because it, you know, it, it kind of encourages guys to, to, you know, not be afraid to make mistakes. You know what I mean? Cause if they make a mistake, you tell them in private, you know? So anyway, Eric, you have any good stories? Yeah, um, I know you have stories. I can't, <laughs> I can't too wait. many. Um, <laughs> uh, and one of those things that uh, Tony was just saying. So, one of in our system, when you make chief, you, you you get set in the pool and you kind of cover vacancies until they need somebody in headquarters. So, I probably had got six months in the pool before I got Shanghai to headquarters. But I had this fire. It was uh, three story. Break ordinary, uh, two units of floor, um, smoke pushing out of the third floor in the cock loft. And I had my aide. I said, okay, building's on the corner. So, you know, I try to do that if I can, see three sides before I get out the car. So I had him pull up and I look and I saw a fire in the rear porches, which is a common fire here. So I started making like my decisions from there, you know, get a line, hit the fire get the next two lines on the second, third floor. And it actually was a neighborhood kid who who rides on a bicycle sparking with us and said, hey, uh, he goes, hey, chief, I think it's in the basement. And I was kind of, yeah, 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 kid. We're professionals. And I finally had, I said to the aide, will you look? And, and sure enough, it was a basement fire coming up the rear stairs that just presented itself on the second and third floor porches in the third floor. And I think at that time I had such a, um, I still wasn't used to really having that dynamic plan. You know, I kind of had like, I had little um, uh, bullet points of ISOPs laminated. I had made just for kind of like mostly specialties, but I still was kind of uh, stuck in like, uh, I don't know how to describe it. Like what I thought I should be doing. And that kind of goes back to the last time when I said that's why I believe 
we should do more mentoring. Uh, when you get right before you get in that position and right when you do. Because, you know, as a fireman, you always sometimes you can get moth to the flame if you if you don't use your head. But I believe as a newer chief, you could do the same thing. I don't know if that makes sense, but. No, you know, Eric, we had that. Uh, we again, where I was at, we have a lot of guys using checklists, right? To, yeah, yeah, yeah. To run their fire and. And, and they already have some kind of preconceived notion of how the fire is supposed to go. And so many guys, I can see they follow their checklist and they're not listening <laughs> to what people are telling them, you know. I remember a, a lot of times being on the, on the rescue and we might we were probably the second or the first people to be on the floor above, right? Because our yeah, teams yeah. split into a fire floor and a floor above. Well, you know, so many chiefs, aren't listening for us to tell them about fire conditions. They just want to hear us tell them about the search. So I got a team on the second floor above the fire and look, you know, he calls, Hey, so-and-so you're going to go to the floor above the fire and check the smoke conditions. Well, I already got it. I got it, chief. I'm already there. But you know, their checklist says, no, this guy's supposed to tell me that not this guy. So they're not listening to it. I, I mean, I'm not, you know, again, that's I think that's what what takes us down some bad paths on 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 some of these things with, again, younger, right, younger guys who haven't got that 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 flow and, and that, that, that command presence yet. They get they take they go that way and don't, don't listen to their guys a lot of times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ego can be a killer sometimes. <laughs> You know, I, I've gotten over the years, I've gotten some really great reports from some officers, you know, and you can always like you just know who the, the guys that are on point. And we use I use an acronym. It's in our books, you know, for what the expectation is for me in the street, because what I'm trying to do is like I, I have enough experience now. I've been, you know, in the Bronx long enough that I know. I could look at the building. I know where the, I know the layouts of the apartments, man. I, I know you come in the front door. You got the kitchen, the living room, the bedrooms are in the back. I look at the bathroom, the kitchen windows are together. I got a good sense of you know what's going on, and um, I use this acronym. It's called Low Dance. L O D A N C E. Right. So we want to know the location of the fire. We want to know the occupants, any delays, access, and this is a big one. The number of apartments on the on the fire floor, right? Because one time, a few times, I've gotten reports where you're looking at this big building, right? I know in Boston they got some over by Fenway, they got some big apartment houses, right? And you know, one day um, I'm looking at this building; and it's huge, you know. And um, the officer told me he said, uh, "Battalion," he says, "Yeah, we got three apartments per floor." And I was like, "What?" You know, like. Wait a minute, like three apartments, you know, like this one apartment had five bedrooms in it, it had two bathrooms, a room, you know, just like, so there's a big difference, right, between having that size of a building, having maybe 10 apartments on the floor as opposed to three or four, right? So, I mean, that's going to determine, like, the potential for the volume of fire, right? So that low dance, uh, I want all the conditions, you know, and the last one is if there's any extension. So that's the acronym, low dance. And if anyone wants me to elaborate on it, they could just text me or email me, whatever, and I'll give them some more on low dance. But this is, see, I think what we're trying to do as a battalion chief, and I like what Tony says, like 
we have to listen. I think that's basically what our job is, right? Because we, we're not up there, man. We're not up on the fourth floor. We're not up on the fifth floor or whatever. We're not, we're not up the, the officers and the firefighters are on the roof. They're in the rear. Um, we're relying on them to tell us what's happening. And, and one of the things I kind of encourage the younger firefighters to do is don't make assumptions, right? If let's say you're on the roof and you, you cut an inspection hole on the roof and you see stuff pushing out, you know, don't tell me you have fire in a cockloft, you know, tell me what you have. Just if you see smoke coming out of the cockloft, just say, hey, I got smoke coming out of the cockloft. You know, if you see fire in a cockloft, obviously, you know, tell me you got fire in a cockloft because this, right, there's a, there's a big difference between having fire in a cockloft and smoke in a cockloft, right? So, um, you know, I think it's the job of the battalion chief to try to get the best picture in his mind, her, his or her mind, of what's actually going on, and then you can make the decisions accordingly, right? Um, I'll give you one quick story, and then I'll let you guys share. Um, I have no experience in private dwellings. Um, really, really, um, I've been kind of in the Bronx and surrounded by tenements and projects and brownstones like my whole career. And one day, you know, when I got promoted to captain, I was ABCing. This is over 20 years ago now. And I stumbled across this fire. I was, I was at the division delivering the, the mail or whatever, and it was payday or the checks or whatever it was. And my computer rings up and it says a report of a f- Now, this is what it said. It said, report of fire on second floor, right? So it was literally two blocks away. I could actually see the building. So I pull up. I'm by myself. I give a report, you know, a battalion to the borough, um, 1075 the box. We've got a fire on the second floor. I, I, I was by myself. I threw my pack on. I went in just to see what's up. And I got hit with this blast of heat, right, from this door in the basement that was open. And I was like, wait a second, you know, like, what's going on here? You know, it turned out it was a balloon frame. The fire was in a basement, not on the second floor. So, you know, had I been the engine officer and I, I would have stretched to the second floor, who knows, you know, you know, what could happen? That's how we get in trouble. I'm sure you guys have some experience with that. Tony, what do you think about um, balloon frame? Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I think that uh... – I've been on fires where you got sucked in by the smoke that's coming out of the eaves, right? You're thinking, oh, it's a second floor, it's a top floor fire, and now it's it's two floors below, and and um, it, you know, especially, I mean, the modern buildings, you know, with all of these crazy void spaces, smoke can travel all kinds of different places before it shows itself, and um, you got to do your due diligence, right, to to check as you go up, on your way up to do some kind of check. Uh, we had a bad incident. I w- wasn't there, but part of the um, reconstruction, if you will, of, of providing information afterwards. And um, this was an exposure building to the main fire building. And same thing, they saw on the on the outside on the street, they saw smoke coming out, they ran right up. And um, when they got upstairs, uh, on the first floor, somebody opened a door, kind of got a flow path there. And it followed those guys up the steps. And um, fortunately, they had, you know, we had good turnout gear. One guy did get burned pretty bad, but they've all, they all survived. Now, again, right, the, they did a quick check. They looked, they looked back, but they didn't walk all the way through to the back. And the fire, while it wasn't one of your back porch fires, it was like a back porch for us in, in the row houses. And um, 
unbeknownst to them, right, the fire, the main body of fire was next door, but it was extending on those back porches on the back. Mm -hmm. And um, as they went upstairs, uh, again, it could have been a lot worse, but it was bad. One of the the members got burned pretty bad, but they all came back. So, yeah, I mean, you got to use due diligence. You got to, you know, make sure you're checking as you go up, uh, right, start at the bottom and work your way up. Eric, you yeah, I think um, so. Like uh, my first nineteen years, I was at where there's very little wood frame, and uh, fifteen years ago, I I felt like I needed a change because you get stale, you know. Mm-hmm. So going from like brownstones and the high rises and and tenements, not as big as some of those blocks in the Bronx, but um, big enough to predominantly wood frame, uh, I had to modify my approach on a lot of stuff. Like I was always dump feeder, you know, um, dump, dump, dump. That's how I was taught. And when I was, when I came on, it was always big line. There was no such thing as ancient three quarter. That was for, that was for the rookies out in division two. That's what the old timers (laughs) used to say. (laughs) <laughs> so since I've been in a predominantly wood frame, I, I have modified because with our rear porches, we still, not as many, but we'll, you could pull up and half the block. It's just, you could just see it jumping and jumping and jumping. And where I'm at, the members work really good together. So it's like, let's get at least one line in operation ASAP. And all the pump operators work with each other and, since I've come on, the uh, city has the conditions of the hydrants from when I came on to now, like our hydrants, it's rare that you find a broken one, mm-hmm. maybe frozen in the winter, mm-hmm. and they're getting 80, 90 pounds. Um, so, and I'm sure I, I have a picture. I'll send it to you in the text eventually. Some blocks, they'll be in a block, there'll be seven, eight hydrants. And then downtown, we had the high-pressure hydrants, which I believe are out of service now. <clears throat> so I believe um, this is where I and, and I always stress, like, a bell, a medical. Don't be in such a rush to come back to the firehouse. Hmm. Go down the back stairs, take a look. Uh, how do we get in the rear? Um, where's the nearest hydrant? Let's talk about that type of building. Um <laughs> I like my whiteboard, so I like to, like, because I feel like the young guys have the courage and the enthusiasm, which should motivate, like, guys like us to want to share what little we do know to them, you know? Um, but, um, sorry, it's, it's weird because I kind of miss the variety of the construction. Mm. But everything now is um, getting renovated, fully sprinkled. The gentrification line you could actually go see going south through the city. Mm-hmm. And uh, we still like to work sometimes as firemen. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I call it chasing the wind nowadays. But um, I, I when I was going to school for fire science, there's a I had a Cambridge lieutenant that really got me into uh, Brannigan's book. And that led to like, 
even now he visits sometimes and we just talk about stuff we saw because mm. I'm, I'm curious i know um the last time i was down there i'm seeing more lightweight wood in the bronx yeah especially you know in the north part that Absolutely. i think most people that when they think of the bronx you know they think the southern part they don't realize all those rural wood frames up in the north. So I'm curious, like, and uh, maybe how DC was. Like, we started getting brownstones getting done over with the laminated beams. Um, mm. The newest I've seen is these really crappy stairways, you know. Um, and I know it's everywhere, but I, I'm kind of curious, like, like I, I hear you guys all the time say BI, and I know what it is, but for like the bo- my Boston friends, I'll tell them to watch, of course, narcissist. Can, like explain what you guys do when you do BI, because one thing I liked when I was down there, it seemed simpler to enter the information, whereas we kind of have this, um, uh, so many people got to sign the form. I think it sometimes discourages people to, fill out a form right yeah um, that makes sense um, so eric what, you said so many things let me let me see where, where i could start um let's talk about the bi thing um we we take it pretty seriously you know we we've really um kind of automated it now on the computer it's called uh, ribis i think now and I've, I've been away from it for so long now all i do is like a supervisor thing but um but uh, they they got this algorithm thing, and it you know they go by uh, fire potential or whatever you know, and it, it weighs all these factors. So you basically now in the old days we used to have these cards, right? So you know, at A building, B building, C, D, and E, right? So you know the A buildings we had to do every year. We had about ten or fifteen at churches that were A buildings, and we had Bs. Then we had E's, which is like multiple dwellings, and we just inspect the common areas, the basement, the, the hallways, the bulkhead or whatever, you know. But I think one of the one of the coolest things that we do, and it's kind of tied in with BI, with building inspection, is that we have a program called SIDS, Critical Information Dispatch System. And it's like a it's like a tweet, right? Um so we get a, a response ticket, you know, let's say box 2180, Beekman and Oak, you know, fire on the third, third floor of a multiple dwelling. And then on the bottom, it'll say SIDS. It'll say, you know, five-story multiple dwelling rehab, you know, and then it'll say, you know, four apartments per floor, whatever, you know, whatever the SIDS is. There's about 160 characters you can put in there. And it gives the chief like kind of a heads up. And what I'll do sometimes if I, if I know companies are responding from like a medical call or if the truck is out on the meal or whatever, whatever they're doing, I'll get on the radio and say, okay, battalion three to the Bronx, do me a favor. Can you read that SIDS out over the air? And the dispatcher will read that SIDS to everybody and they'll repeat it twice. Okay. Attention following units responding box 2180. This following SIDS for, you know, 480 Beekman, whatever it is. And they'll read the whole SIDS. And this way I know that everybody knows what, what the critical information is on that building, right? So I think that's one of the benefits for, for building inspection because, I mean, in the Bronx, man, and I'm sure in D.C. and in Boston, in certain areas, you know, not everybody's a licensed contractor, you know? And we've had yeah. 
quite, quite a fatality due to people taking shortcuts. I mean, I had BI one day when I was in 46 engine and the guy tried to bribe me too. I couldn't believe it, man. He had, he, he had like, <laughs> he was, um, uh, it doesn't matter who he was, but anyway, it was, um, he had like a thousand of these like little propane things, you know, like stored. And I'm like, I couldn't believe it, man. It was like, you know, the next thing, the battalion's there, the deputies there, the, the BI people are there, the, the explosives units, everybody was there, you know. But this is the stuff that we find on BI, you know, because. So how quick do, uh, if I go out and, and I find something, how quick does it go from me finding it to it getting put into SIDS info? We could do it instantaneously now. Oh, wow. We, we used to do it by card, right? You used to have these yellow cards and we used to actually, I think we used to type them up even. And, you know, you can handwrite them. But now I, I, I could get a unit now. One of my companies will be out on BI and they'll say, hey, chief, man, we were just over at uh, Longfellow and we found this building. I'll say, I want you to do a SIDS on it. And then he'll type it up. It'll come to me. I'll endorse it. It'll go to the division. They'll endorse it. They could get it in the system that day. That's how that's how quickly we get into that system right now. So, um, and another thing that the guys do, um, if they find stuff too, they'll do a letterhead report and they'll send it to all the companies in the division. You know, say, hey, listen, man, six hundred Southern Boulevard, we got lightweight laminate I beams. You know, on in this rehab building. You know, and give everyone like a heads up. But I caught something, man. What did I catch the other day? We had a fire in a. <laughs> We had a fire in a private dwelling, three-story. It was on top floor. And I thought the building next to it was um, – I thought it was like a garage or something. I didn't even know what it was. It, it had no indication that it was a, a dwelling. And I, I go in there, and I, 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 like, I couldn't believe how long it, it went for, like, 50 feet. And I, and I went outside. It was like an extension, you know? Like, like – you only find this thing either on a medical call or if, you know, and, and I like what you said, Eric, about medical calls. When I was in the engine, we absolutely did what we had to do. And then when we were done, I tell the guys, you know, check out the layout, check out the the, whole, the stairway, check out the standpipe, whatever it is, man. You know, where's the hydrant, whatever. I mean, so, you know, we're constantly doing this stuff, you know, on the in the field. But it, it pays for the chief because, you know, when we pull up, you know, our guys know, you know, they already know what's happening. I had this guy, Rini, Richie Bonacorsa. He might have been the best chauffeur I've ever seen work in the fire department. He's an engine 73. And we had a job one time. It was a brownstone front to rear. I mean, this thing was rocking and rolling. And um, Richie knew his building so well. He knew that the hydrant in front of the building was out of service before he got there. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that, that you know, that I have guys that, that are just so on top of their game between doing hygiene inspection and building inspection, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I had Tony. a senior man once, um, yeah. going back to what you said, yeah. even after 20 plus years in the same house, he would spend at least once a week driving around before the night tour, before we went to the 24s, just like, Hey, I saw, you know, a dumpster down on the side street or, or, you know, looked like construction. I went down, blah, blah, blah. And I would tell our new guys, I go, hey, listen, he's been doing this over 20 years. Right. Uh, it's a good habit to get into. And instead of like my my pet peeve now, these things, 
<laughs> oh, the camera. <laughs> mm. Drives me crazy to see this. Um, yeah. You, you should know your district. I believe at the end of the day, the best thing's right here. And, I, you know, I know everyone has those sayings, but, like, if you know everything about that building before the box comes in, you look like a rock star when it does. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, yesterday, I was, yeah, yesterday, Eric, you guys go to a, a building inspection. Was that? Yeah, you? we. Yeah. Oh. We we do them, um, but what I, it's just like this long form, and I and sometimes you have to say, listen, take the time, especially nowadays where we're getting also a lot of those first floor steel framed, and mm, several yeah. floors of the lightweight wood. Yeah, and you know vertical lumber yards that I'm paranoid to their finish and fully sprinkled, but mm. to me, you have to go out and look at even the normal building. You know, sometimes we get caught up so much in that um, the one that sticks out or what you would call an A building or something mm -hmm. that we forget most of our work is in that the, the what's normal to that area for construction. You know. Um, you could tell sometimes, like, so I, I just think as a fireman, you know, you don't expect a firefighter, you don't expect someone to, you know, go get a building license, start doing construction, mm. but learn the basics from our point of view, because uh, it can kill you. And I think, I, I bet you we all been there those first few years, we had the balls and not the brains. Mm -hmm. So I think part of, my job is with the young guys is to say, you know, it takes both, you know, like, but use this a little more. You know, you see, I hate to see guys running full, full out when they jump off the rig. Mm. I'm like, walk with a purpose. But as you're doing it, look up at the building and try to dissect certain things you see, you know, um, with, a, with a, the average wood frame, you know, you see the little window on the side. Oh, that could be the bathroom, you know, stuff like that. Uh, walk with a purpose. I, I just, instead of just bombing in the front door and you still haven't even done nothing, you haven't looked around or anything. Yeah. Um, so these are things I try to tell the officers. And any kid that works with me at night, I tend to uh, bloviate half the night. Um, they filter off. But I love talking the job. Um, and I, I love sharing pictures. Um, some point, I hope, there's some way we could share through here because yeah. I got like 15,000 pictures on my phone. Yeah. We'll figure out. I'll, I'll talk to <laughs> yeah. we'll it out. You know, you, you mentioned about, you know, construction and I was in Philly yesterday and I think Philly's probably a lot like DC and Baltimore, you know, with those two story row houses, you know, some of them, like the chief down there was telling me that they, they've been around since like the 1700s, some of these, you know, and, um, but at the same time, I'm seeing, and I see it in Boston as well, and I see it in New York, and I'm sure it's in every city on the East Coast, is I'm seeing these high-rises going up that are wood frame. And I, I can't wrap my head around this. And I know you talked about sprinklers, but, you know, with the wood frame, they have trusses, right? Little truss lofts on every floor. And, you know, I think you have to know construction somewhat. Like you have to at least know the type of building. It's a type one, two, three, four, five, whatever it is. 
you know, be- before you commit, because um, like Tony said earlier, you know, he thought he had a type one. It was really a type five. And I see that now, like in my, where I live, I live up in Mayapak and it's a small town, you know, and one of our buildings, you know, they do this brick face and all that stuff. And uh, they try to make it look like it's a, a type three, but it's not, you know, it's a, it's a type five, it's wood frame. And, um, you know, I think guys have to learn how to read brick, you know, like, how, you know, if you see bricks that is just all in a row and, you know, and there's no soldiers and no sailors, it's just all, then, you know, it's, it's not a true type three, you know, and then accordingly, and as, as well as like locating the fire, right? Like I'm, I'm imagining now you get a good fire and it's happened to me because in the Bronx, right. And in Harlem, they do a lot of renovations and you get these little truss lofts and you get heavy smoke, you know, let's say you, you get a report of a fire on the second floor, but it's really on the first floor because the ceiling, you know, and now you go, you wind up going above the fire, right? You think, you know, you're looking for the fire. So I think construction has a lot to do with locating the fire, right? What do you think, Tony? No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, I guess we're lucky that you get rows and rows and rows of the same kind of building, right? So that can kind of help, but and and now we get so many runs. So hopefully you're out there and you're seeing you're seeing where they're renovating an old building, and you can hopefully get in there and see that it's going from a a three to a five or a one to a five or whatever, right? That that they're putting wood frame buildings. That's what I see is that they 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 got the outer walls and then they go inside and put wood frame in the inside, right? Um, so they're renovating it, but they're ultimately you know reducing that. No, I, I mean I. I, I personally, I think I want more emphasis on the arrangement of the building than I do want construction right away, because there isn't a type of construction that we're not going to go in, right? We're going to go into every type of construction. So, I mean, I think for, for chiefs, incident commanders, absolutely. If we're not getting the fire put out, then we need to worry about, we start need to start worrying about the construction. But initially... I want to kind of know like the occupancy and how the arrangement is so that that I can, I can make some strategy and tactics decisions. You know what, you know what I mean? I mean, I guess, again, construction is important, but if I get the fire put out, if I'm not getting the fire put out, that's when I start worrying about collapse potential and that kind of thing. Right. I have, I have a question for you. I have an honest question. So I'm, I'm driving around Philly yesterday and um, I actually asked one of the guys, um, I, I get it with the, um, and I, I think Eric could attest to it too, because they got the same kind of brownstones we have in New York. A brownstone is a single building fire, right? Because they have a firewall that goes straight down and there's no extension. But I'm looking at some of these row houses and I was looking at some of these other row houses that they have like a kind of an open end shaft in the back, but they connected kind of in the front. And I think I saw a brick, but I wasn't really sure. Now, I know in Brooklyn we have... Well, they're, you know, they're type fives, they're, they're row frames, and they have a common cockloft, right? We had a fire back in the 70s called the, it was the Pine Street Fire. They, they lost like 15 row frames because the fire just took off down the whole block. Those, those buildings in those cities like Baltimore and, and um, Philly and D.C., they don't have common cocklofts, or they do? Not ours. Not ours. They were um, they were firewalls, Firewall. front to back. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of it was flat roof, right? Maybe, maybe a little pitch, but you had a cockloft, 
at a cock loft that, that was a that was on the on the top, but it wasn't common. It wasn't common. And it went yeah. from you know, and so so like that, we could get a heck of a fire between those firewalls right. and it wouldn't extend. Exactly. The only time it started to extend was kind of like your back porch thing, right? Because everybody had a back porch on the backside. Mm. That was wood frame. And then some some of those got enclosed, but definitely uh that's where the extension would come in, yeah. was be the the rear back porches lighting off in the alley. Now, fortunately, we have really good alley system, so it wasn't. It's 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 pretty common for us, and, and it was the second engine that arrives there goes to the rear. Right. So we would have basically two engines in a truck in the front, two engines in a truck in the rear. So we had you know quick response. Yeah. We had a lot of engines quickly. So um, extension was rare, unless unless it was going really good before we got there. Uh, we could keep it to one row. Yeah. I know Boston does the same with the rear. But one thing that I always talk about, and I had a chief ask me this one time. I was doing a class, and this chief asked me about some fire that they had, and they couldn't understand how the fire got, you know, the, the, the three buildings. And I, I looked at it, and I looked at the Google Earth picture, and then I realized that, you know, we have a lot of this in the Bronx, too. Like, you'll have buildings in the front that are all connected, but – in the middle of the building, they'll have an air and light shaft, right? And what they had done in this particular one was they had tarred it over. So the shaft was still there, but it was tarred over, right? So um, I think one thing that's, that's really critical is that, like, we could get a fire, let's say, in a building, on, and then on the Bravo side, right? You know, you have a shaft, like a diamond shaft in between two buildings. You have heavy fire in a shaft. I want to know if there's fire in that shaft because there's a good chance that, you know, if you get a decent enough fire blown out the windows, you're going to have extension in either exposure, right? <laughs> Another Maybe quick I, story. I love so, your story, Eric. Tell as many as you want. you just had, right? So yeah. uh, I had gotten my group changed, and I went on this group, and they had struck a box in the pr- district I'm in now. And, you know, receiving calls, people trapped, blah, blah, blah. So at the time I was on uh, the towel and we only had one. So I'm like, oh, let me get up, go to the bathroom. Senior guy said, hey, that's Chief Freeman, one building, one alarm, go to bed. You know, I, I go to lay back down and he starts whacking alarms. So by the time we get there, he says, uh, you know, we brought two thirty fives, And then he's like, hey, I don't need twos, I need water. So when he said go up in this building, which I drive by every day at work, it's like a corner, three-story wood, had a bar on the first floor, residential over. I thought he was kind of sticking it to us because I knew he didn't like our company. So we run a line over a ladder, blah, 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 open the door, fire's rolling down the hallway. And I couldn't believe how it got in there. But afterwards, and I tell these guys to this day, It doesn't look like it, but it's a three-story wood frame that's got this nice big air shaft in the middle. And embers from the other buildings burning had fallen in. Somehow, who knows, caught the curtains or whatever. (coughs) And I drive by it all the time, and I tell the guys, if we ever get a box here, as many times have I told that story, I expect you to know it's there. And if if it's not there, that could mean it just got covered. It doesn't mean it's still not there, you know? Um... So I, I think the brownstones seem to have more 
I noticed more and more with three-deckers, the ones that did have skylights, when the roof gets done over, they get rid of it. Um, so I, I don't experience that too much where I'm at now, but there's still something I want the uh, roof members to know when they go to the roof, uh, especially if it's smoky, you know. Don't go bombing around. Um, I had a good friend walk right off the side of the roof, an experienced guy, putting the saw down, pulled the ceiling up. Oh, I'll make the hole bigger. He didn't even realize he had repositioned himself right onto the edge. But I, I like what you just said, Google Earth, because like I worked last night and they were striking boxes all night, garbage. But now I just put, so at least I can see, I want to see like all the surrounding. Because, you know, sometimes Google Maps just shows you the front. But I like that Google Earth. Um, and the habit I was taught is every time it was anywhere in the city, it was like looking up on the map book. So sometimes I hope these young kids like say, ah, oh, it's way on the other side. We'll never go. Because you might, you know. Um, but I always tell be cognizant of that stuff on the roof, the light shafts, big time. I don't, and I've been to DC a lot, and they look the same to me, to tell you the truth. The, the uh, brownstones. Um, yeah, it's pretty common. It's pretty. That was that was predominantly, you know, our fires, row houses. We have. We also have. What we call we call them two by four, right? They're a two a two floor four unit apartment building. Two apartments, first floor. Two apartments, second floor. And they are all over the city, whether it's in the you know, in the hood or whether it's in, you know, the, the uh, country club area up in the, um, you know, the, the rich part of town. And uh, they are all over the place. So when you get good at those, unfortunately, we fight every fire like it's a row house fire. So, Eric, I got to tell you a funny story. So last time we spoke, we had a little powwow here. You talked about a ninth alarm, right? And so talking about sparking a little bit i um i had uh something the other day about a month ago now because i've been on lead i took a, I took some time so i've been off since june but anyway my last night i worked i had this fire you know and um i was i thought i was going to be the all hand chief but for some reason i didn't go to the second alarm so i'm listening to it and i look at my aid my driver i'm like this is not going well I could just tell just from the radio traffic and what I'm hearing in the background. So, um, anyways, I struck the second alarm, you know, and I go, it's a big six-story, eight-type, and it's massive, you know. Anyway, um, it's probably one of the few fires that I've ever been to. Like, I was on the roof. I wound up doing the roof sector, right? And I was up there for probably about three hours and taking a shellacking because – you know, we all, you can't really wear a mask on a roof. I'm sorry. I mean, you, you know, you're going to wind up killing yourself. Either you walk off, you're going to go into a hole or whatever. And then the, the fire was just everywhere, man. It was we it was a three-wing building. We lost two wings. The only reason we didn't lose the other wing is because of the firewall. But anyway, there was so many units there, right? And um, I wound up getting relieved. I go back. And next day, I, I talked to dispatch, and we're talking. I said, I said, man, that was only a fifth alarm. He goes, well, in reality, he says, if you want to know the truth, it was a ninth one. <laughs> yeah. I, I got you, man. Yeah, yeah. It was a yeah it's, it's um, I know I won't. I love the story. I always tell it right. <laughs> and um, 
the part where the spark did me. Um, <laughs> this you the same guy. Spock, by the way, I don't think people know what a spark is. Uh, spark they is a buff. Yeah, buff. Leo calls him buffs. Um, <laughs> whose whole hobby that I I believe all firemen have a little bit, even if they li- yeah. they hide it. Yeah. So yeah. I don't, don't like this. Speaking of nine alarms, so the first one I ever went to was uh, featured in 48 Hours. It's on YouTube. Chinatown? Uh, yes. So I only had several months on, and our tower at the time had a pump. Yeah. So, you know, you pull up all this fire, guys like, hey, run the feeder back to the hydrant. So I run it back. There's a hydrant 50 feet away, and this cheese driver in a rubber coat and a, he has a white device on his helmet. Not that hydrant. Run it down a couple more blocks. So I run it all the way down. And, you know, back then, only the officers had radios. Trying to say, ah, run, run, blah, blah, blah. So when I finally, we get water, come back, my senior guy says, what the F were you doing? I told you that hydrant right there. I said, the chief's driver told me to bring it down there. <laughs> and he goes, which chief's driver? And he goes, I go, that guy right there. And he goes, that's Elliot the Spark. He's not even on the job. <laughs> and that's the same guy who years later. But it's funny. So that was 89. I didn't talk to Elliot for about 15 years until I had, I, I, every time I saw him, I was like, because, you know, he was, he was an uh, unofficial historian, great guy, but he would wear full gear. And as a new kid, I just saw what I thought was a cheese aid. It's great. Uh, nope, run it another 300. So I was mad for years on him. But he's the guy at that nine alarms I had that said, you know, Chief, uh, no district chief ever struck nine alarms. Uh, and he gave me that look, and I was like, oh, okay, we'll see about that. <laughs> but he's the same guy. I'm glad you brought it up because uh, he was a good dude. He only died like last year, this uh, year yeah. before, but um, – he was notorious for that. And yeah. I'm sure you guys get it. What we're getting now is when you spark off duty, but you're getting away. You shouldn't get in the way. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? That yeah, time yeah. I, I rode with Engine 36, mm-hmm. yeah. um, I think they're long closed. Yeah. The guy yeah. Pat was trying to get me, he was yeah. trying to give me gear. And I was like, ah, yeah. I think that might be pushing it, you know? I'd hate for the battalion chief to be like, hey, who's this asshole? <laughs> you know? Um, that was the senior. Yeah. Man. 36 Engine was a senior crew, yeah. man. Because when I was in 58, they were in my yeah, battalion. Yeah. They were all senior guys in that engine. Yeah. Yeah, like single house. They were right around the corner. In a while. Yeah. I heard we had some stories about where, uh, again, when the medical calls were, were really hot and heavy, and one of the officers put the spark or the buff on the engine. Go take this medical run for me. Right. <laughs> well, what happens while he's out? You know, the fire call comes in. Yeah. So um, I get it, right? And um, sometimes they come in handy, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, be careful. Yeah, you know, that that's a good one is, um, and the statute of limitations is over. <laughs> so my dad was on ladder 13 in the South End when it was like, not the greatest. Right. And it's the only place that lines up with New York. It's engine 22 and ladder 13. It's long, mm-hmm. it's long gone. So sometimes as a kid, I would, you know, be there and it was like, uh, 
whatever you see, don't repeat. Right. So, you know, people used to hook boxes a lot more because we still have our fire boxes. Mm -hmm. And it's a true story. So hook a box. Yeah, jump on. There's the Tillerman, the driver, and me. We get there. And they had a code. Next, you know, the engine comes with the rest of the guys. It's a vacant building sailing. They would actually run the get secure water, run the line, charge it, and then they would call off, uh, strike the box. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I would say, uh, "Where's the rest of the guys?" This is when they rode one at five, and it'd be the driver, the tillerman, and the kid. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, imagine trying to do that now. You would get both. <laughs> I had I I remember I was a brand new probie. I was in seventeen truck, and like you talk about statute of limitations. So I think uh, he's long dead, and I think anybody who knew this guy is is dead as well. But anyway, so I was sitting on the house watch one night, and uh, you know, kind of nervous because I'm kind of new. And this guy mm-hmm. comes in the firehouse, and back then we had a key. We didn't have any locks or anything like that, so you just needed a, a sixteen twenty key. And this guy walks in and he goes. Um, He's, you know, he's half drunk anyway. And he's like, is so-and-so working? And I'm like, um, yes, sir. You know, he's. <laughs> and I said, and he goes, well, he goes, he goes, I'm not a buff and I'm not a fireman. I'm the moose. And he just disappeared into the basement. And he was <laughs> <fine>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, I, I, I always love that stuff, but like, um. And I feel like, I think I said it before, like some of the guys I work with fought in World War II. Me too, yeah. Incredible, you know. And I used to look at, so by the time I met them, they're all 60, 61, still go-getters. So that always left another impression that like, and you know, that day you think you know it all, you should probably retire, put your papers in. And but at the same time, I, I tell guys, you don't have to, like, live, eat, and breathe the job like some people. Right. But at least be into it because it can, you know, save your life, you know. And this is that saying that it's like take all that's good as your own and build your foundation and then your experience builds the house. I've always tried to do that and and. And now I'm not the new chief, so I try to spread it to to other chiefs if they'll listen. Mm-hmm. But I also say, don't be closed-minded because some guy comes from a smaller department somewhere because mm-hmm. he might have some knowledge on something that you're weak in. Because I find, I don't know, this is my opinion, I want to ask you. So I find small-town chiefs tend to be more well-rounded. Mm, yeah, Absolutely. Where city guys kind of, you kind of go an avenue, so you might never did training or you never did fire prevention. or. And I had this discussion with my neighbor. He's a retired chief from the town I live in. And he was everything by the time he made chief, hmm. training, fire prevention, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that's something I try to stress. I think that's the same with firefighters because, you yeah. know, when I was a firefighter, brand new, I carried, we, we called the carrying the can, right? I carried the can for <laughs> four or five years and I didn't do anything else. And I talked to these guys up in New Hampshire and, you know, and they're, they're stretching hose and they're carrying irons and they're, you know, next minute they're pumping 
water. I mean, it's like they're doing all these jobs. And I've done one job. I, you know, I go in, I help force a door. I go in with the can, knock it down, and pull ceilings. You know, that was. Yeah, job. I can tell you that that's that out here. Everybody's got to contribute too. Yep. You know, you get uh, forty guys on a box. You might have a few of them that can hide. Out here, no, they're all they all better contribute. You know. Yeah. The other day we had a fire. There was only nine guys there. Yeah. Now, it didn't go very well, but there was only nine guys. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get it. Now, so. in something like that, do you stress, like, fast water for that reason or even if you have well, to? Well, I mean, it all depends. Yes, that's what that's what I'm trying to get is go drive to the building, Yeah. right? Drive to the building. We'll, we'll, we'll let the other companies that are coming worry about the water supply. Mm. Get there as fast as you can. And, and if you can do something, right, if the fire is so far that by the time you get there, you can't. But if you can get there and do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you know. Uh, let's finish on this because we're almost up to an hour, and we don't want to. We don't want to kill him. But um, <coughs> one thing, and we'll finish on this as a chief. And I like just what you said, Tony. I love what you just said. Um, I'm a big proponent, especially because we have these big H type buildings, you know. And everyone wants to get a piece of the fire, right? So you get the second, third engine, fourth. You know, they're all vying to get that second line, you know. And I always tell them, let's get the first line in operation, get water on the fire before we start stretching any of the lines, right? Uh, I was in this other country one time, and I swear they had five lines stretched. And I think the mentality is the more we stretch, the better off we're going to be. Not one of the lines had water on the fire. They were hitting floor below, exposures. They were hitting the walls. (laughs) They were hitting everything but the fire, you know? So if we get that... Like you said, Tony, fast water on a fire, a lot of our problems will away. Absolutely. So well, I mean, you can be you can be so efficient, right? Because water is so efficient. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take a lot if you get it yeah. where it needs to be. You don't need a lot. Right? No. So that's why you gotta do it as soon as you can. And and then again, right? You put the fire out. So is it easier to remove the people out of the IDLH or remove the IDLH from the building? Spot on. Right? I mean, okay. yeah. I, I guess, and again, it, it may have taken me a long time. I did the same thing, right? I was a truck guy, truck guy, truck guy. And then now I realize it's all about water. Yeah, it really <laughs> it's all about water. Absolutely. <laughs> Eric, any parting words? Any parting um, words? Speaking on like that, the, the shafts, I, I would tell guys to really – uh, pay attention after a fire is knocked down. Uh, any chance you get to walk through maybe that larger building or, or not your normal building in your first through district, take the time. And usually the owners will work with you if you explain it to them. Because we, we don't, we have very little vacant buildings like we used to when I was a kid. So you got to take advantage of the opportunity, regardless if the football game's on, you know, hey, it could wait. So, you know, get out there, learn your district. Okay. Don't be embarrassed. You, you've said that over and over, and I think that's a great mantra. Yeah. Just know your district, man, because I always talk about that, especially like in some of these volunteer departments where, you know, the firefighters actually live in their town where they're, where they're serving. You know, they, they know. I always tell them you know a lot more than you think you do because you've been in probably half these places, and, you yeah. know, you, in your, your mind, you, you, you know what you're seeing. So. Well, I want to thank you guys. I know, you know, it's been pretty hot this summer and 
man, it oh. sapping my energy. That's for sure. So um, <laughs> I, anyway, but I appreciate you taking the time to come on. Hey, I got one thing real quick. Yeah, Tony. One thing. Yeah. Um, you guys that have been following me, you know, my department out here, we had a, a, a traffic accident, fire truck accident pretty badly. Uh, one of our members was injured. Uh, thank you for the support. Thank you for the calls, the texts, the check-ins. Um, she's doing a lot better. Uh, still going to be a long road to recovery, but um, I appreciate all of your thoughts. I'll praise it with you. Thanks. Thank so you. Much. All right. Thanks guys. for having me again. All right, guys. Enjoy the night, guys. Until next time. Thanks, guys. Ciao. Bye-bye.